0: Uh, hello, and thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. And just a couple of things I'd like to ask you to consider. Firstly, my guests share their personal stories, which others may see differently. No one will see a situation the same, it's just human nature. Uh, secondly, My podcasts aren't suitable for children and some adults for that matter, so please consider if it's right for you and contact Lifeline or any other support service if you find yourself affected by my subject matter. Oh, and don't forget, my next show is at the State Library of Victoria on Saturday the 25th of June with undercover cop Keith Banks. I reckon you'll think twice about trusting anybody after listening to Keith. (laughs) Uh, tickets are through Eventbrite. Thanks.
1: And um, I tripped and fell over backwards. And I thought, and he was coming for me. And I thought, oh, no, this is, this is it. I'm going to cop it. And I bunched up on the ground ready for it. And that's when everyone piled onto him.
0: As a policewoman... I only ever had one dealing with Peter Lukaitis, and it was in relation to a child exploitation investigation, but I've never forgotten him. I think it was his calmness, his friendly demeanour, but also his obvious knowledge and confidence in his role as a sergeant at Castlemaine Police Station. It really struck me, and everyone seemed to love him. He was obviously a very popular member there. Little did I know that just over 20 years later, I'd be sitting at a friend's annual country-long lunch, and believe me, long it was, a little too long, and opposite me was Peter and his wife. But it took a few glasses of wine to discover our connection with Victoria Police. It wasn't until days later I learned of Peter's heroics at a 19-hour-long siege in Kangaroo Flat Uh, which is uh, central Victoria, just out of Bendigo, and that happened in 1999 where he received Victoria Police's highest bravery award, a valour award, and a bravery award. He is such a humble and modest man. And on researching the siege, I learnt that the siege is still the single largest number of police shot in the one incident in Victoria's history – Peter was one of four police shot, luckily not one of them fatally, but I can't help but think not only of the physical injuries that they sustained, but how they've managed the psychological injuries as well. Peter's service to the community is nothing short of incredible. He's recently retired and uh, Victoria Police, particularly Castlemaine Police and the local community there, have lost a great mentor who helped in so many ways. So thank you for your time, Peter, and welcome.
1: Thanks, Terrell. It, um, sounds like a bit of a legend in my own lunchtime now. Yeah? <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a legend, Pete. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, I saw a lovely photo of uh, either your last day or very close to your last day at Castlemaine Police Station, which was just so beautiful and so special. Uh, Can you tell us about that?
1: Yes. Uh, Look, I think you're thinking it was a couple of days before I left and um, that was a photo when my daughter, Harriet, who's um, joined the police force um, about uh, a little while before I left, um, and she came up. We organised for her to come up and have a day with me. Um, work, a, work a shift, which was really good, um, yeah. and um, I, I was pretty proud of it. And I was uh, just made the the last week of uh, leaving Castlemaine very, very special for me because we um, we did a few photo shoots. We didn't get much work done, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it, you know, it's yeah, it was just good fun to go out and patrol together. And um, we did a, a you know a bit of. Um, public relations, and, yeah, uh, um, yeah it just made me so proud of her and to carry on the tradition, I hope. I'm sure she would
0: be just as proud of her dad. And, Peter, can you remember, And like, did you actually get a job on that day at Castlemaine? <laughs>
1: no, no, we didn't actually um, <laughs> uh, because I was <laughs> um, Nothing really came up that we... Um, had to do, but that would have been interesting. But uh, yeah, that was 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 just really talking to people and um, being out there and uh, doing the photos. Um, yeah, but it was still pretty special. Yeah.
0: And were you on the div van?
1: No, we're out um, in in my car, my vehicle, um, the, the sergeant's vehicle, and um, uh, we're just sort of in the station for a while, and then got out and about, and because and, Harriet was brought up in Castlemaine too, so she knows a fair few people here. Um, yeah, and no, it was good fun. But she doesn't – I think she listens to me, but I don't know how much she takes from me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I think she'd probably pretend she doesn't take much, Peter. Fairly typical <laughs> from kids and their parents, but I'm sure she yeah. couldn't help but have learned an enormous amount from you. Um yeah. I just—I don't know if I've ever heard of that with a father and daughter or a, a mother and a son or mother and daughter. I don't know. But I don't know if I've ever heard of a situation like that where uh, Victoria Police actually allowed it as well. I'm just so thrilled for everybody that you're able to do that. That wouldn't have been easy. I imagine you would have had to go through a bit of red tape or
1: not. Well, I thought so too. I thought um, we may have to, but it actually was quite easy um, initially they thought I'd, there was some, uh, they mooted that I'd go down there, but I thought that'd be stepping on toes, going down as a sergeant in another area. So it was a lot easier for her to come up. But, um, look, it was really just between the senior sergeants in the end. Um, I don't know whether, I don't know whether it was actually, um, went further than that, but, uh, maybe it should, maybe, yeah, maybe it should have, but, um, it, it all seemed seamless really.
0: Yeah, and and does Harriet have any plans on uh, coming? Do you know if she's going to come to the country, or she wants to be a detective, or anything in particular, or is it all a bit new for her at the moment?
1: I think it's still all a bit new for her, and she her partner's also a police member, so I
0: what a surprise, Peter.
1: <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> so, they, so they met at the academy, yeah. uh, which is nice. Um, and I think he wants to have try out for the Special Operations group so they'll probably have to stay in the city. But she's really enjoying it. She's been at South Melbourne um, and now she's at Pere- at uh, St Kilda. and um, she's doing she's sort of following in my in, well in most members footsteps, you go to those training stations. Point of the better word, and um, you know, spread your wings. And I think for me, it was probably after um, you know, maybe oh, three or four years that I really knew that I wanted to go to the CIB.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I've mentioned it to her, but I think she's, yeah, it's still very new to her, that's for sure.
0: Mm. I remember my training station was St Kilda, and I was 27 when I joined, and I'd never ever. Uh, seen drug use like I saw it St Kilda. I'd never seen or had any dealings with any prostitutes, and it really opened my eyes. I thought it was a fantastic station to go to because it really does. Uh, what's that word? like? Expand your oh, life experience and just what some people deal with. I mean, you don't have to go to St Kilda for that. I understand that, but. Uh, Saint Kilda was a, a great training
1: ground. I found. I think I, I, I think she'd agree with you because um, there's a lot happening there. It's very busy, and um, you know when you're when you're first in the job, I think you love being busy. You want to, you want to see it all. Uh, maybe later on you don't, you know, want job after job. But um, I think early on you just love that. Um, that experience, you know, going to one, a new thing after the new thing and, um, yeah, it's very, it's, 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 I mean, it's challenging too um, and she's finding there's challenges there. There's a lot of um, family violence work there which which can be challenging and um, they can take up a fair amount of time but she's certainly enjoying it.
0: Yes, it, it was a new thing—the adrenaline of just going to job after job after job. Uh, initially, it was fantastic, but as you say, after a while, it, it starts starts to wear a little bit thin. But let, let's not put her off because it's a, it's a <laughs> it's a fantastic job, and I'm sure she's uh, loving it. So, yeah. you obviously wore many hats in your Was it thirty nine years that you were a police person
1: to, to the day? Yes. To the
0: day. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, And having worked in both the city and the country, so and they're very different worlds, aren't they? Uh, I've done the same as far as policing goes. So, can you take the listeners through some of those differences from working in the country to working in the city?
1: Yes. Um, Look, there is there is a few glaring ones. one of the main things up the country is the distance away from other uh, members of the police force that can assist and assist you, especially when you're in a bit of trouble. You've, you've got to quickly realise they are, in our case, um, uh, you know, 30 minutes away, maybe Bendigo, if you want um, um, someone to come and really assist. Um, you've obviously got your own members at your station but the, you know on a shift where there's only four of you that's sort of limiting um, so you've always got to keep that in the back of your mind that if if we get into trouble we've got a fair time frame before anyone's going to get to us and the other um, issue with that is is actually there's black spots you know for our radio so if you're in a black spot for your radio you're know you're, you're, you're in either more. Trouble. And that sort of translates into um, just planning ahead, making sure that you've got a a fallback plan, um, that you're always sort of looking for escape routes. Um, You know, when I was walking up to places, I'd always be thinking, well, if something goes bad here, I can get behind that or go to that tree. And, um, you know, obviously members in town soon work out early in your career. You, You never stand in front of a door. Uh, you know, you always knock on the door and stand to the side, Um, things like that. Um, You know, and you'd learn things like you'd never slam your door. You know, you don't rock up to an address and bang, 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 like on Homicide, the old Homicide series where all, all the doors go bang. You,
0: We're here. You know, you,
1: yeah. You, you shut your door very gently so, no, you know, sort of uh, no one knows you're there. Um so that, so you've got distance, you've got black spots with your radio, and, and you've got less members, um, obviously to help. Um, and also you've got to remember that, um, in the country, you're going to meet a lot of the people that you're dealing with again, and you'll meet them in, um, in the pubs, you'll meet them in the local, um, supermarkets, um, at your local church, if you're a churchgoer or, or, or anything that you go to, you'll be coming across people that you've dealt with. So it certainly pays to get into a general um, way of dealing with people that you keep that in your mind that I'm going to be made. I'll probably be meeting up with this person in one way or another. And I need to have as as good as a rapport with them as you can. I mean, sometimes you can't have that. And sometimes people are just are not going to get there with you. Um, But at least if you, Uh, always try to do it and at least even if, I mean in in a moment they may go away and think well look, while thinking about how, you know, Peter has treated me, sort of, gee, sort of treated me in an alright sort of way, maybe I was a bit rude or didn't didn't, um, wasn't um, the same back but at at least I hoped that I could walk away saying that you know, I've I've treated them okay and I could meet them again in the local IGA and we could look one another in the eye or even shake hands or something like that. yeah, as much as you can. As I say, there's a limit to that. Um, sometimes you're never going to. Um, you're always going to be, you know, the baddie um, to some people, no matter what. Um, but you, but yeah, as I say, you can always limit it um, and make make a bit of a difference in uh, to them. Because often, you know, you, you you deal with people in good ways and then bad ways, and um, if you can sort of limit the stress of the situation for them uh, works out better for everyone, I think. Um, and, you know, you, you don't get injured trying to arrest people. Talking to people is always a better way to go. Um, and that's what I've always sort of tried to do. Um, mm. in, in I, I suppose
0: that the one of the difficulties is that you would also have a lot of situations where your kids go to the local school, where maybe an offender that you've arrested the night before his kids go or her, her kids go, you go to the same clubs, I imagine, the same pubs. Like, as you say, if if you don't treat people fairly uh, and, uh, yeah, fairly and be honest with them, it's going to come back to bite. It's very possible it will come back to bite you.
1: Exactly. Um, And look, I I failed to mention that our children went to school here in um, primary school and then when they went to senior school, they went up to Bendigo. But we did that for a reason that um, people used to say to me, why don't you send your kids to Bendigo? And and we said, well, look, when I was a detective here for four years, there's a pretty high chance that I'd be arresting some some children from or young people from um, the local high school so it was just a lot easier on my kids that they went to um, children that they went to to Bendigo and got their education there and 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 yes there were and, and also you know when I dealt with the pubs sometimes you know someone would say oh, let's go out to a pub and I'd be thinking gee whiz I'm just um, you know I just went to that pub the other day and had to uh, have a go at them over something, but yeah, if you if you do it, in a, you're right. If you do it in a fair, reasonable manner, then you should be able to walk back into those situations, uh, back say back into a pub, for instance, and feel as though you know there's no animosity and um, and you can still get on well. Um, but uh, but yes, with the kids, with the children going to school in Bendigo, was a good idea. I felt because um, there were some people. Young people here at the local high school that I did interact with and um, and so that would have been difficult for them
0: mm. you, you talk about the the black spots in with the radio. I can't get over, and I know this saying. People say this all the time, but we can put a man on the moon, but we cannot fix black spots within the radio uh, waves. I suppose with a police radio, and I don't know how many times uh, you've, you've, we've tried to get some help, and you can't because nobody can hear you. Like it's, mm. it just doesn't seem right, does it? That we mm. still can't, we still can't get rid of those black spots
1: no it it look it has got better over the years, but um uh yeah, I mean even um with our mobile phones now we've still got a few little black spots around in the area, so you just could be mind, mindful of that um but yeah, it can make things difficult if you're if you're getting one of them and you're and you're in and you're in trouble not not that we're in trouble all the time here, but um as long as you're mindful that they're around uh you know you can sort of either go to another area if you can and get it get get it through there you've um, got to, yeah. you've got to
0: be very good uh, with uh, talking your way out of things don't you when you are on your own and uh, backups a fair way away you've got to be pretty good at being able to talk your way out of stuff don't you
1: you do it to get to the gap um, in the job i think um, because you can very quickly um, turn the tide. Um, you can mm-hmm. uh, just say the wrong thing, and then someone really arcs up, and uh, you know you've got a you've got a fight on your hands. And th- no matter what ha- no matter what you do, you usually get slightly either injured or slightly injured in tussles with people. Um, and sometimes those injuries can go on for a while. So you're way better off doing the gift of the gab, and and you know just giving a little bit too, being prepared to give a bit, prepared to. Uh, put the time in. With uh, no look, we've got all the time. Let's just keep talking. You know, um, because often some offenders will do the anti, up the anti, trying to get you to um, come in and get them, or come in and um, and fight with them, or whatever. And you just you just need to be aware of that and sort of say, look, we've got all we've got all the time in the world. Let's just talk. Um, and often I used to say to some people, look, you don't know me. I don't know you, you're probably, I'd probably find, if we just met on different circumstances, I'd probably get on really well with you. We'd have a chat and, um, and I'd like to think that you'd think the same of me and could we could we start off on that basis, you know, that we just, um, we, there's something's happened, but we let's try and work it out. You know, I'm sure I can help you and you can help us by making it easier for us and we can certainly um, return the favour and make it easier for you. Um, and once I had a fellow... Who um, late in my career? We went to arrest a, a guy who lived just outside of Castlemaine. He was a serial family violence offender, and um, we went to get him. And we we uh, were waiting at his place, and he wasn't he wasn't at home. So I said to the van, look, could you just go down to the down to the um, the little town nearby and just see if you spot him, and we'll wait here. And there's quite a few of us there. There was probably ten of us.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: um, yeah, so it was because we sort of knew he could play up and he was he was a, he could be aggressive. So they go down the road and lo and behold they said come uh, came back on the road and they said, Yeah look we've spotted him and he's on his way back to the address. So we were waiting there and I I, I put the car across the um, the the gateway to his property. And um, so when he rocked up, he couldn't go any further. He had to stop and he got out and immediately the member who needed to arrest him said, mate, you're under arrest for this and this. Um, And um, the moment he said that, he he just came at us. And um, the member um, uh, sprayed, um, Steve O'Brien sprayed sprayed him with O.C. spray, which is one of the best things, and I can talk about that later, that's ever been given to us as a, um, a tool that mm. sprayed him, and it got him right in the eyes, and he sort of went, he sort of stopped him for a while, but the mistake we made is that we didn't get him quick enough to, um, we sort of stood back a little bit and waited, and we should have gone in and got him, because he just fought through it, and um, to cut a long story short, he sort of just fought through us and was raging around, and... Um, he went to, after a little while, we sprayed him a couple of times and then he went to pick up a, um, a long sort of, um, you know, uh, a long um, stick that was on the ground. And I thought, Shivers, if he gets that stick, we're in a bit of trouble because yes. uh, you know, then he'll be armed. So I, I had a um, a um, small little O.C. spray and I was walking up to spray him and he got to the stick before I could get close enough. And I thought, "Oh hell, I better, I better back off." And um, so I'm, I'm backing off, and um, I tripped and fell over backwards. And I thought, and he was coming for me. And I thought, "Oh no, this is, this is it. I'm going to cop it." And I bunched up on the ground with the, um, you know, the classic sort of bunched up on the ground and uh, ready for it. And that's when everyone um, piled onto him and. Um, and I was sort of was my eyes were closed, waiting for it, waiting for it, and then I looked, opened up my eyes, and they were all, everyone was on him, and there was ice spray everywhere because obviously he he'd had it all over him, and so everyone yeah. got it all over them too. But yeah, um, yeah. anyway, we we got him back to the station, and I'm I'm really thankful the members helped me out there because I would have been in trouble. Um, uh, it just shows you should always go up with backups, go to anything where you you know you know you're going to be trouble, get the backup and go with backups. Um, but anyway, I got back to the station, and I said uh, we were, we were he had a shower. We put him in the shower to get rid of all the O C. And I said to him, um, look, mate, next time, you know, that was pretty bad what happened. I mean, we, you know, we didn't want that to happen, and I'm sure you didn't want that to happen. How about next time? Um, and you know, hoping there's not a next time. But how about next time? I'll just ring you. And we have a chat on the phone and then you just come in and you don't have to say anything when you come in, you know, that's you're right, but we'll just get it all done really nicely and um, we won't have this again. And he just looked at me and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) 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 Right.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue.
1: Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. <laughs> I'm going to go through all that again with you. You know, you can stick it. <laughs> you didn't you, have the uh, gift okay. of
0: the gab with him, Pete. <laughs> no, no,
1: and, and um, yeah, there's just some you can't you, you, no. uh, you can't get through. You're not going to get through ever.
0: <laughs> no, you're so, right, um,
1: yeah.
0: Pete. Everyone us talking about you know country policing and the fact that you're a local policeman, was there ever a time when you were off duty that you felt concerned for your safety or your family's safety?
1: Uh, yes. Um, there was one time um, a person who had mental health issues here in Castlemaine, I was the acting senior sergeant, and he rang and he said, look, I wanted to, I wanted to speak to you um, privately and I thought, look, it might have been a complaint about a member or something like that. And um, so I, he, he had an address in Castlemaine and uh, I checked him. There was no issue. So I thought, look, I'll quickly just nick around and see what he wants to um, talk about. Anyway, I spoke to him at his, his front door and I soon sort of, you know, just he was a fellow who's a bit older than me and um I spoke to him and I realized that, um, that he had a few issues and I thought, well, no, I'm not going to continue, continue this. I think um, th- th- there wasn't a reason for him to really complain about anything. And um, I didn't really realize it was sort of like he just wanted to chew the fat. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm not here to chew the fat, you know. I've got things to do, so I was polite, but I sort of said, well, yeah, okay, thanks very much. If you need need any assistance, you know where I am. You can be in the station and come see me. Uh, now, shortly after that, um, we got a letter in our letterbox, and it had kisses uh, with lip- lipstick and a sort of some sort of uh, note and talking about um, this and that, and I realised some reason, it, I don't know whether it said it was from him, but some, for some reason I realised it was from him. And I thought, oh, I sort of get it now. This is Because I sort of was in the media a bit when I was at the station and because, um, uh, you know, you can use the media to your advantage really? and help them. Yeah. You know, they've, they've got a job to do and we've got a job to do and sometimes they need things and sometimes we do too. So I had a good relationship with the media, I'd like to think. And... Um, but I when I saw this letter, because my wife's looking at this letter, going, um, "Peter, um, who's sending you, you know, this sort of letter with kisses on it and stuff like that?" And <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, "Oh, this is him. Um, this is this bloke. He might have signed it or something." But I sort of worked out. So I sort of had to say to Fiona, my my wife, um, "Look, darling, I think it's um, this, this, and this. You know, it's not what oh, you think." Um, which was a bit, which was sort of. Yeah, it's a bit embarrassing, you know. Um uh, so I would have anyway, thought it scary. That, like it's scary.
0: Like that's a stalking sort of he
1: well, knows me. Well you yes. Mm. Exactly. And that's what that's what was starting to worry me. Look, this this guy knows where I live, he's delivered yeah. this letter. Um so anyway, the next day, um, uh, I got another member with me and um, we went down to see him and I said to him, Look, um I know I went came out to see you the other day and stuff like this, but this is not on. You cannot you cannot do this. Um, I'm a happily married man, and I'm not interested in um, what you might be interested in. And it has to stop. Don't don't uh, because it's um, it's a little bit upsetting that you're sending them to doing that. And I and I don't want you coming to my house if you don't mind. Thank you. Um, I'm happy to see you down at the station if you've got a legitimate complaint, but that's it. Um, Anyway, so that was okay for a little while. Then he upped the ante and started um, wanting to started coming to the police station, wanting to see me. And um, he was, you know, told well, unless it's legitimate, no, you, you can't. And then um, so that went on for a while. And then so we, and then he was definitely. I think we, we got someone else to go and see him and say, look, there, that, that, that's it. Um, Anyway, one day I was at home and um, he came in the uh, – well, I'm picking up the ante and then we got a – we realised it wasn't going to stop, so we got an intervention order um, against him. And then – I'm going my memory here – but then, anyway, one day I was was on leave and um, I was working on the house inside and I heard the dogs barking – and uh, I went outside, and uh, he was at the uh, my back gate, and had come inside. Oh God! And um, that was a bit of a worry because I knew he had mental health issues, yeah, uh, yeah. And, un- and unstable, um, and um, and the mental health, yeah, I knew there was there was some issues, and um, that did worry concern me that he was now on my in my back in my back. Yard, oh, yeah. and um, so I said, just stay there, do not come any further. And I went to the door, locked the door, and went inside and rang, um, rang the station, and uh, got a terrific response over there um, within you know, minutes, and um, arrested him. And um, because he'd, he'd uh, breached the intervention order, yeah, and dealt with him that way. Um, so. And I'm very happy that they did that because it was um, it was, it was a concern. It was a concern for me and concern for the family. Um, and my kids were affected. Like um, they were sort of walking out. I did it too. I'd walk out the back gate and look left and right and think, you know, you see here. And the kids used to do the same because I forgot to mention at one stage um, my daughter, Harriet, who's now in the force, was um, jumping on a trampoline at the front yard and with a friend, and she comes running inside and said, I oh, was at the front gate. That's when we also contact- contacted uh, our members, and they came and got him, and we think he had a um, carving knife in the backpack of his, uh, that he had, and he was trying to get in the gate in the front gate but I had a sort of a special lock on my front gate that um, is quite difficult to work out Um, so uh, yeah that was a lucky sort of uh, thing but anyway Harry came running in and said oh you know at the front gate trying to get in Um, so you you can see it was getting uh, was getting pretty difficult for us and in fact he had to be remanded for a while over it uh, because he was the sort of person who just wasn't going to stop yeah. And uh, so yeah, unpredictable
0: too, Peter.
1: And that is an issue with with being a country uh, police person that um, most people know where you live. Um, so yeah, you've got to take just that little bit of extra care um, uh, with your with your safety, and um, and that, and that's a case in point that um, uh, it could it could have turned um, bad. Uh, And and just just on that, I used to get these phone calls from the mental health unit sort of saying, "Um, is everything all right? And I said, oh, yeah, everything's all right. (laughs) Yeah, why? Oh, (laughs) we're just, you know, wondering (laughs) if everything's all right. And they'd obviously been talking to him. Right. And he still was fixated on me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But they'd sort of check in with me occasionally. But I think that was code for – just be careful. Yes.
0: Yeah, you know? I, would, I would
1: take um, that as a hint. Yeah. 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 They weren't divulging anything because uh, that was his business, I suppose, I suppose, but they were sort of yeah. saying, uh, we're just checking that everything's all right with you. And yeah, I, I just took that on board as uh, just be careful. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I would be careful. And I don't know, I, I, I don't have any real evidence of this except that our dog didn't make a lot of noise when he was around, but our dog would normally go off her head when anyone came to the gate or whatever. But they didn't. She didn't when came to the gate. Um, so that. So I don't know whether he was feeding the dog or or whatever. But um, yeah. Um, anyway, that was that was a bit of a concern. Yeah, but it, but that's we look. Unfortunately, he he died. Some well unfortunate for him he died um some years after that so Mm. some ways unfortunate it was very it was unfortunate for his family but um it was a little bit of a relief for us but um yeah
0: yes i I would think it was a relief and as you say terrible for the family but um oh yeah that'd that'd do my head in uh people Peter, you mentioned before that you worked for, I said, was it around 39 years and you said, yes, it was to the day. Is there a particular reason you retired and you didn't say go to 40 years or was there something, were you just tired or was there a reason you retired?
1: Uh, look, it probably was a combination of um, of things, but I sort of, um, obviously I was 60. And with our superannuation, um, when you turn 60, it, it is a it, it is a, a, a an issue because you've got to decide whether if you stay on further, um, you're not accessing um, you know a reasonable amount of money that you could access. So you know that's a conscious decision you need to make. Um, but I, but I felt as though I wanted to be in charge of when I was leaving, and um, I felt it was. Um, Time to go, um, and and I yes, people said, "Oh, well, you know, why not go to 40 And I, but I thought, well, no, I'm sixty, and I can access that money. There's mm-hmm. other roads you know. I've come. It was a great road to go down with the police force, and I and I enjoyed every minute, and it was very good to me. It paid me a good wage, gave me good holidays. Um, terrific from that point of view, but there were other roads I wanted to go down. I, I'm a qualified mediator, and I used to do mediation work with the police. But so there was a road, other roads I wanted to, to go down, travel, um, you know, have have um, time with my family and with grandchildren. Um, so it was sort of just natural to say, no, look, 39's not a bad time, you know. And, and I just thought, oh, look, I'll do it right to the day so it, I can actually say, yeah, it was 39, <laughs> 39 years. Um <laughs> Not 38 and 364 days. No. And once, once you make that decision um, in your mind, you sort of – it's done and you work towards it and um, it was – yeah, I, I just – I think it was the right the right time to go and I think – not many people are lying on their deathbed saying, oh, I wish I stayed a bit longer at work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, there's,
1: a, there's a big wide world out there and I, uh, I just uh, – you never know what's around the corner either, so I just want to enjoy it while I'm healthy and no. healthy and well.
0: Yeah, and you certainly yeah. don't know what's around the corner. So, Peter, no. I'm not sure how you feel about telling us about the siege, but can you tell us in as little or as much detail as you feel comfortable about what happened on that
1: day? Yeah, sure. Um, well, look, on that day, it's funny, um, It was you know, there's some days when you're in the police force where, you know, especially in the country, nothing much happens and you just go through... You know, you've got things to do, admin work and checking briefs and all that sort of stuff. But on this day, um, I was doing a Kabul shift, which was um, patrolling um, the local uh, night spots in, in Bendigo with um, two other members. But from the moment I walked in, um, I'm just trying to remember what time I worked, but I think it was around about, I was starting at um, six or it might have been seven well, anyway, it was, anyway, it was late. It was in the evening. And from the moment I walked in, um, Sergeant Tony Commodore, um, who also got a bravery medal out of the siege and was very brave, um, he said, oh, Pete, we've got this information that, a, that a, some student from a local college was going to break into the college, get a gas cylinder and use it to blow up something. I don't know whether it's going to blow up part, I can't remember, blow up part of the school or something like that. So I had to then, uh, and, and he said to me, oh, look, could you look after this? I've got to go. And I, and he was then going out to make inquiries into what turned out to be the siege later on. And he said, look, I've got to go to this job. Could you deal with this job now? And I said, well, sure. So I, I took it on board and I made arrangements for one of our members that I was going to be on the pool shift to to sit in the um, science room of this of this school whilst we had another member out or two the two members have them in there and then have another member outside in a car or something like that um, to just see if he did break in and try and get this gas cylinder. Um, but it was pretty reliable. It was reliable information, and we had to do something about it. We couldn't just let it let it. Um, Let it happen. Um, Then straight after that, we got – I went to put uh, a young fellow through. The book had been done for .05. And as I was asking him the questions to um, release him, um, he uh, more or less was saying to me, yeah, well, it doesn't matter because I know what I'm going to do now. And I looked at him and I thought, yeah, I think I know what you're going to do now and it's not going to be good. so I thought, look, you need a mental health check. this, this because some people really can um, you know, have a have a permanent solution to a temporary problem, for one of the better ways of saying it. And they think they think, no, nah, that's the solution for me. So I felt that he needed a mental health check. He needed us to take him into temporary custody and, and get him checked. Uh, and then, he, and then, unfortunately, he was over the other side of the table. and It was a really long table, so he's going around one one side of the table, and I'm going around the other side of the table, trying to um, trying to get him because I think he realised that I'd realised. And uh, anyway, we got him, right, and unfortunately, we had to put him in the secure um, cell just to to watch him and and just yeah. wait for the um, mm-hmm. yeah. for the mental mental. Um, um, health check to, to come along with the um... anyway so the moment we actually closed the door um, was when a mem- I turned to my right and there was a member there saying Peter we need you up at um, we used to call it D24 D24 in the radio room because we've got a situation out at um, Kangaroo Flat where we think we've had a member shot and um, or two members shot and uh, can you come up and get ready and I thought oh and I sort of looked at him and was thinking, You you couldn't be you've got to be joking. You know, you couldn't be this this couldn't be happening. Um anyway, <laughs> it was happening. <laughs> um so I um turned to um the fellow I was with Glenn Maylard and I said, Glenn, can you get everything for us to go out to this job? Doesn't this isn't sounding good. Um and uh we'll go out as two five two fifty. So Glenn went, went away, and did that, and um, I've got a feeling there might have been a TMU, traffic management unit, there too. And I, I asked him to go out. So I ran upstairs and spoke to the members on the um, on the board and got a got a sort of a basic rundown of what was happening. The two members have been shot. They don't know what sort of firearm. They don't know where the offender was. But they think he was at um, you know a certain address in Kangaroo Flat on the main road, um, and had very little they could tell me. They said, "But we don't know much else. We need you to get there and find out more for us." Um, and little did I, I, little did I know. Um, but in situations that are um, tricky, when you get into those sort of situations and you are holding something in your hand like a radio, so our members would have had handheld radios then. Um, you tend to, if, if, if everything goes to, um, you know, goes bad, you tend to, to discard whatever's in your hand. You tend to go to survival mode, get rid of whatever's in your hand, and go, you know, look for cover and get under cover, and especially when someone's shooting at you. And I think that's what happened there. So the only person that was at the scene that really had any communications, and it wasn't good communications because his mobile phone was um, broken. Um, was um, Superintendent Dave uh, Mansell and he um, he was there he was um, actually off duty and had, had um, seen what was happening and had gone to help them and um, in some ways like he did because he, he was our communication so uh, had to quickly get ready and jump in the car with Glenn and off we went and um we drove to uh, where the scene was, and the van was there with um, uh, you know a couple of members behind it, and the ambulance was there. Uh, there was, I think, two ambulances were there, so we sort of had a bit of cover there. And um, so Glenn and I pulled up, put on our vests, and we started talking to. I started talking to the ambulance guys because I sort of wanted to say, look, um, you know, what do you know? That's what's because they said to me they'd been there. To the house in question early in the day, and I said, "Well, what did you see? What did you, um, you know, t- tell me what you know?" And they thought they'd seen a firearm there, leaning up against the wall. And I said, "Right," and I was trying to get, you know, details. What firearm? Because it, which can make a difference. Are we looking at a military type rifle, or are we looking at a twenty two, Although all firearms are dangerous and lethal for a, or you know. Lethal and, and therefore, after lethal, you've got serious injury um, for a long way. You know, you're talking, you could be talking, you know, 1,500, two
0: kilometres.
1: Oh, um, on yep. So you've got to sort of think about that. And uh, they sort of gave me some information. And then all of a sudden, out of the blackness in front of us, came a fellow called Mr Beckmans. And... Um, he was coming from the direction of the house where we thought the where we the siege was. And um we thought, Well, who's is this the offender or, you know, who's this? So we sort of was standing there and I put up my took out my firearm and just said to him, you yeah, know, yeah, come towards us with your hands up so that we can um we can uh just make sure you're you're hunky hunky dory. So he came towards us and as he was coming towards he said, Look, I'm just coming from back over the road um, and we're talking, when I say over the road we're talking the um, extension of the Calder Highway and it's quite a, you know, it's a four-lane carriageway so it's fairly big oh. and he was saying that one of your members um, was behind a tree and got shot and he, my daughter is over there looking, who was a nurse was looking after him
0: I know we've only given you a taste of what's to come next week but it really is an incredible story, isn't it? To hear what Peter and his colleagues survived is nothing short of a miracle. So I hope you can join us next week. I hope you can wait till next week. Anyway, have a good week. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Hold up.